This podcast is made available for free globally. That is only possible through my relationships with advertising partners. If you would like to access an ad-free version of Practical Stoicism, go to stoicismpod.com forward slash members to learn more. Welcome back, Prakaptan. I'm glad you're here. Last week, I had a chat with Michael Tremblay, and during that conversation, towards the tail end of it, Michael talked about Epictetus potentially being in a teaching position that he didn't really see as ideal. Namely, he wanted to teach philosophy students philosophy, serious philosophy students philosophy, but was instead stuck teaching business students philosophy in the hopes that they might not turn out to be completely useless in their careers. This isn't stoic canon, at least I don't think it is, but it was an interesting thought and one that captured my attention because of how everyday it seems. There are plenty of movies, books, and other stories about people who have had grand visions for the impact they'll have in the world, and then when reality slams into them, what they end up with is a lot less grand in retrospect. I'm going to be a world explorer, you might say, but then you're just a zookeeper at the local municipal zoo. I'm going to own a big, successful business one day, but then you just own a couple of Subway franchises. I'm going to teach the world's next amazing batch of virtuous, sage-like philosophers, but then you just end up teaching a bunch of rich people's kids so they don't turn out to be completely terrible. And just so it's clear, I'm not meaning to jab at zookeepers or Subway franchise owners. I'm only meaning to point out in a comical way what is a fact of life. We start with grand visions and we end with reality. Plenty of us are happy with that reality, and certainly Stoicism enables us, in part, to be content with our lot. But for others, or everyone at least some of the time, it doesn't feel great to be anything less than the grand thing we envisioned ourselves becoming. This is far worse when the thing you end up doing in life is something you genuinely dislike. Maybe you wanted to be the next world-changing artist, but now you're an investment portfolio manager at Merrill Lynch, and you feel like a total sellout and you hate what you do. Again, no shade meant to be thrown at portfolio managers. It takes all kinds. Patron of the show, Sally HP, asked the following question in the Discord community yesterday. I've been reading Epictetus. And he comes off as very anti-fun. Is it unstoic to do something just because you enjoy it, with the caveat that it doesn't impact your circles of concern negatively or hurt anyone in any way? Sally describes Epictetus as being very anti-fun, which made me chuckle given my conversation with Michael. But she turns my expectation on where her question was going on its head when she instead asks whether doing something simply because you enjoy it is unstoic. I had expected the opposite. I had expected her to ask, is it unstoic to do something you don't enjoy just because it's for the greater good? I like this surprise. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. Is it unstoic to enjoy your life? First, though, some thank yous to new patrons. Thank you to Barbara Kornreich. Thank you also to Esteban Ruiz, Vagabund, and Ludwig Carceles, or Carceles, or Carceles. I'm so sorry, Ludwig. I'm having a hard time with your last name, but I hope at least one of those attempts was correct. Thanks to each of you for your support, and if you would like to become a patron just like these four have for just $5 a month and get access to all sorts of exciting extras, the most fun of which is probably the ad-free feed, followed by the Discord community and private guest events that we have every month in that Discord community, you can go to stoicismpod.com forward slash members and become a patron. I hope you will. 
Now a word from a couple of sponsors, and I'll be right back to jump into today's episode. Stay with me. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Factor. Eating easy is rarely healthy, but with Factor, the marriage of ease and health has finally happened. Ring those bells and throw that rice. Factor is a meal delivery service providing never-frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals that are ready to go in just two minutes and are delivered straight to your doorstep. This includes restaurant-quality meals for every meal of the day and, if you want, even snacks and beverages as well. I used Factor for years and raved to my friends about how not a single meal tasted bad, which was an astounding feat since all the meals were healthy and could be tailor-made to whatever diet initiative I was trying to keep up with, like veganism, vegetarianism, paleo, low-carb, whatever. Now, get ready to hear the number 50 way more than you thought you'd hear it today because listeners of the Practical Stoicism podcast should head over to factormeals.com forward slash practical 50, that's practical 50, and use the code practical50 at checkout to get 50% off. That's code practical50 at factormeals.com forward slash practical50 to get 50% off. Seed DSO-1 is a daily symbiotic, which is a probiotic and prebiotic formulated to provide benefits for gut immune function and whole body health. I take it every morning before I eat, which is when it works the best, and I have noticed a big difference in my digestion, regularity, and even my skin. It's nice that this benefit comes in a small package that needs no refrigeration and really is just a couple of simple, small pills. You also get this cool little travel vial in case you're traveling, so you don't have to stuff a bunch of loose pills in your pocket, which is nice. It's also nice that this product is so rigorously tested from a scientific perspective, which makes seeds probiotic research, development, and innovation programs a lot more trustworthy. So trust your gut health to Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com forward slash practical and use code 25practical to get 25% off of your first month. That's 25% off of your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com forward slash practical with the code 25 practical. Is it unstoic to do something you enjoy? No, the answer is no. But there might be a lot of caveats, so don't worry. There's plenty more to this episode. What if, for example, you like something, but it's harmful to you? Let's say you like the feeling that marijuana, cocaine, or alcohol provides. These are things you choose to do because you like to do them. Is it unstoic to partake in these recreational substances, some might call them? And parents, just a quick warning, if you've got kids listening, this is going to be a fairly nuanced position. So if those kids are not ready for that sort of thinking about these sorts of things, you may want to listen to this episode when they're not around. The Stoics seem to be against the idea of electing to give up control of your rational faculty. Full stop. It doesn't matter what you use to achieve that loss. Stoics aim to acquire the knowledge of virtue and then to live in a way that having such knowledge would necessitate. So handing your rational faculty over to intoxication of any kind is, therefore, antithetical to the aims of Stoicism. 
I don't think that's arguable. It is probably the case that the sage would never participate in activities that risked impairment of their rational faculty. So marijuana, probably never. Cocaine, probably never. Alcohol, probably with extreme temperance. I feel this way because in my experience, there doesn't seem to be a responsible use of cocaine or marijuana. And lest you jump down my throat for saying that, all you marijuana advocates out there, what I mean by responsible in this case is in any way that doesn't immediately impair your rational faculty. And again, to you marijuana advocates and enthusiasts out there, I'm not talking about medicinal CBD that doesn't come with the, let's call them psychotropic effects or psychological effects, but is more about pain management. I'm talking about smoking a blunt. You know what I mean. I'm not making a moral judgment here. I'm meaning to make a physiological distinction. The sage, on the other hand, might drink alcohol if, for example, it were offered at a Christmas party by a host that wanted to toast the good health of their family and invited you to participate in that toast. But this action isn't the sage choosing to drink, it's the sage choosing to participate in a showing of care and concern for their host and that host's wishes. Would the sage ever choose to drink alcohol for fun? I would say very likely not. Drugs and alcohol are tools for escaping rationality and reality when they're not specifically being used for pain management on an operating table, for example. And so I cannot see any sage thinking that doing that, that participating in the use of these sorts of substances would be a worthwhile endeavor. So then would the sage participate in losing their rational faculty because they enjoyed doing so? No, 100% no, that's antithetical to sagehood. But is it unstoic to do this? Remember, the sage doesn't exist. It's an aspiration. So when imagining what the sage would do, we're imagining what perfect moral and logical behavior might look like. But Sally's question isn't necessarily asking that. It's fair, I think, to define what is stoic as being the same as what is sage-like but I don't know how practical it is to do that. Stoics who aren't sages, which is every Stoic to ever live because sagehood isn't literally attainable, should direct their behaviors towards what is sage-like, but since they're destined to fail in becoming sages because sagehood isn't actually attainable, I think it's more fair to argue that it's unstoic not to be a sage which is, of course, a silly thing to say, but is the logical conclusion such a line of reasoning would lead us to. More plainly, if that was at all confusing, if it is unstoic to get drunk every night, it is that way because it is not sage-like. And if that's the case, then isn't it unstoic to not be a sage? The answer is obviously yes. And I think that's where all this sage nonsense really falls apart quickly. The measure of whether something is stoic cannot be whether it is sage-like, or else there can be no such thing as a stoic since there can be no such thing as a sage. This is where the word prokopton comes in. If a real stoic is necessarily a sage, then there are no real stoics because there are no real sages, and everyone who thinks they're a stoic must be instead some proto-version of a stoic or some emerging form of a stoic. And that's a prokopton, a person who is making progress towards sagehood, towards the ideal, towards moral and logical perfection by following stoic teachings specifically. 
So from here forward, I'm no longer going to use the word unstoic because we are all unstoic, no matter how good we are at practicing stoicism, because we can't be sages. Instead, I'm going to use new words, prokoptonic and unprokoptonic. Sally's question then is instead, is it prokoptonic to do something just because you enjoy it? Applied to drugs and alcohol, the answer could be both yes and no. It is prokoptonic. That is to say, it is the nature of someone who is imperfect to be unstoic, because to be stoic, as the way we've defined it, is to be a sage, and as I've further explained already, sagehood is impossible. So baked into the practical reality of working towards perfection is imperfection. So in this way, it is not unperfect or unprokoptonic to give up control of your rational faculty to drugs and alcohol because it's a mistake. It's not perfect behavior. So in that way, choosing to do these things could be prokoptonic. But from another perspective, and I think a more useful one, it is unprokoptonic in that it is not keeping in mind the behavior your aims necessitate. A prokopton approaching stoichood or sagehood wouldn't choose to give up control of their rational faculty, would they? But prokopton make mistakes, so they do in practical execution. You see the nuance that's happening here? You see this blurry line? It's not a simple yes or no question. With drugs and alcohol, perhaps there's too much. And by using drugs and alcohol as the main example here, perhaps I'm introducing too much tension into the conversation. So maybe instead we need to talk about different examples. And of course, Sally wasn't asking about drugs and alcohol specifically. She was only asking about doing things you enjoy. It was my brain that went immediately to drugs and alcohol first because it was low-hanging fruit in my mind. What about choosing to do a job you enjoy that isn't in direct service to the cosmopolis, but also isn't a hindrance to its well-being? What if your city, for example, needs firefighters? And you could be a firefighter, but you don't like firefighting and you'd rather be a baker because you love making bread and are truly good at it. If you chose to be a baker over being a firefighter, you would be making that choice with yourself in mind before the cosmopolis. So is that unprokoptonic? If you are looking for another podcast that contemplates what it means to live a good and fulfilling life, then I would strongly recommend listening to No Small Endeavor, the acclaimed podcast from Great Feeling Studios and PRX. In each episode, host and award-winning theologian Lee C. Camp brings you thoughtful conversations with artists, philosophers, and theologians, including legendary actor Martin Sheen and civil rights hero Reverend James Lawson, about their pursuit of happiness and wisdom. And if you're looking for somewhere to start, I'd check out their new episode with Malcolm Gladwell, New York Times bestselling author and host of the wildly popular Revisionist History Podcast. They explore how Malcolm became a stellar storyteller, some of the things he may or may not regret, including a year of Freudian therapy three times a week, and so much more. It's absolutely worth a listen. So don't miss out. Follow No Small Endeavor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you in part by PrizePix, America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. They are, without a doubt, the easiest way to play 
DFS. It's just you versus the numbers. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With the big game right around the corner, Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to turn every game changing moment into 100 times your money because with as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Offer expires post Super Bowl. With quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of player and stat types, it's no wonder Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. I've got friends that use Prize Picks, and they absolutely swear by it. So if daily fantasy sports is your thing, you've got to give Prize Picks a try. Go to prizepicks.com forward slash practical and use the code practical for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com forward slash practical with code practical for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. I think it is critical at this point, to reinforce that part of being prokoptan is being imperfect. So all imperfection is prokoptonic in that it is the imperfection of your execution of stoicism that makes you prokoptan and not sages. If you weren't imperfect, you'd be a sage. Second, we need to revisit the circles of concern for a moment. You're at the center of those circles of concern for a reason. You cannot be in service to each more distal concentric circle if you are not in service to yourself first. A healthy, happy, disciplined, and let's say sorted out version of you is the most effectual in the external world. And here I have to come back to the idea of imperfection. And I know that might be annoying because it seems like all I've been talking about for this entire episode, but it's important not to lose sight of the absurdity of perfection, lest we act very stupidly as a result. You cannot be the perfectly sorted out version of you. It's not possible. Perfect means cannot be improved upon. Can you imagine any version of yourself that couldn't be improved upon? No, you can't. I'll save you the time of trying to figure it out. You can't. And if you think you can, you are not thinking hard enough. There is no perfect you. So if you're not careful... You could do something truly stupid after realizing you are the center of your circles of concern. You could decide that it would be stoic to never concern yourself with the outer circles because you're not yet perfectly sorted. This is not in the spirit of stoicism. Instead, you must focus on what is good for you in the midst of figuring out and acting in ways that seem like you're trying to figure out how what is good for you can benefit what is good for everything and everyone else. You're caring for all the circles and the circles of concern simultaneously in different ways, but in ways that are all interconnected. Returning to the firefighter baker analogy, if your city is in need of firefighters and you're in your late 20s or early 30s, physically strapping and fit for this role, but are passionate about baking and equally fit for that role, is it unprocoptonic to choose baking because you like it more? I'm going to go ahead and say no. And I don't mean no because it's an imperfect choice and you're imperfect. I mean no because the sage is free to make such a choice so long as it is well-reasoned. And how could one reason becoming a baker over a firefighter? Well, for one, any job that you want to do is going to be one that you do better than any job you are doing but don't want to do. 
presuming you have the skill to do both of those jobs. If your heart is in baking and you're a great baker, you'll be a more sorted out version of yourself than if your heart is not in firefighting, but you're physically able to be a great firefighter. For two, firefighting isn't actually any more or less in service to a community than is providing nourishment. It's differently in service, but if you starve to death or burn to death in your own home, you've met the same unnecessary end, right? I can save people from burning to death, but I want to save them from starving to death more. What's the difference? Just the execution. Prakaptan get to have preferences, so do sages. But what if what you want to do seems irresponsible to your concern for those other circles? What if you want to be a barber in a hometown that doesn't need one, while there is, in the meantime, a shortage of public health workers? You're not interested in becoming a nurse or a frontline health worker of some kind. You want to cut hair. But again, your community has plenty of barbers, and you're only choosing to become a barber because it's what you want to do. It's totally in service to your personal interests. Is it unprocoptonic to become a barber in this scenario? It probably is. Is it unprocoptonic not to become a healthcare worker specifically in this scenario? No, it probably isn't. Again, you get to have preferences, but those preferences have to be defensible. Are you hurting anyone by making the choice you make? Are you choosing to do something that only serves you and is useful to no one else? Are you choosing to do things that violate or damage your rational faculty? If you answer no to these questions, all of them, it's probably fine to do the thing you want to do over the thing you don't want to do. But if your answer to any of these questions is yes, it's probably not fine. If you're living only for you, you've lost the plot. If you're living in any way that disregards your rational faculty or damages it, you've lost the plot. And if you're living in a way that actively hurts others or disregards their well-being, you've lost the plot. If you haven't lost the plot, though, then you're probably, at least, an imperfect Stoic trying their best and coming to a conclusion that likely isn't perfect, but is at least an honest attempt at working towards perfection. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I appreciate you being here every Monday and Friday to listen. And remember, if you'd like to get rid of ads and to support my work directly, instead of listening to ads and supporting it indirectly, you can go to stoicismpod.com forward slash members, get rid of ads, and gain access to some other things for just $5 a month. Again, that's stoicismpod.com forward slash members. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, take care. 